growing up, there was a computer in my house that had the internet. It was like, I'm on the internet now. The modem is connected. We can't get phone calls. And when you left that room, you sort of left the internet behind. This is Joe Hollier, a tech entrepreneur. Joe remembers the early days of the internet as a simpler experience than it is today. A place for people to browse forums and connect with others who shared hobbies and passions that they also nurtured offline, which for Joe spanned from skateboarding to photography to web design. Joe turned that passion for web design into a career as a freelance graphic designer. And in 2014, he joined an experimental incubator under a major tech company. And that program brought together designers and entrepreneurs so they could collaborate and build new startups. The hypothesis behind the program was that design shouldn't be an afterthought and that it's actually as a foundational part of companies. They're able to be more agile, um, connect with users in a more human-centered and empathetic way. The Incubator's members built apps with a wide range of uses. And something we saw really quickly across a lot of these apps that were getting funded and starting to become successful was that there was this metric of retention. How many hours a day does a user spend with your product? Even though funders were more enthusiastic about products that would keep users hooked, Joe felt that increasing retention time didn't necessarily equal success for these new products. After all, just because a user can't put their phone down doesn't mean the product makes them happy. It just means that they're addicted, which in the long run could actually turn users away from the product. So Joe talked to another tech entrepreneur at the incubator named Kaiwei Tang about this problem. Kaiwei and I, I think just from the get-go, had this feeling that making some new app that connected us for an extra hour a day really wasn't what either of us wanted as users. And as we interviewed people, you know, everyone was feeling kind of habitually overwhelmed. Like, I know I spend too much time on my phone, but what else am I going to do? It's not like I can have a flip phone. Through their research, Joe and Kaiwei realized they weren't the only ones feeling like their smartphones were draining their focus and their time. So they thought, what if we gave users stripped-down phones, devices without access to browsers, apps, or news feeds? What if we gave people a way to disconnect from the online world, like the early internet led us to? We gave about two dozen users over the course of a couple weeks flip phones with just 10 phone numbers saved, and their smartphone would forward the calls. The results were promising. People reported a sense of relief and rejuvenation, and they ended up more focused on self-care, on their families, and on their hobbies. The internet has come a long way from the days of dial-up modems, and Joe recognized that in this day and age of phones with the processing power of basic personal computers, the internet had become overwhelming. There were immense benefits to unplugging. Joe began wondering if there could be an alternative to the smartphone. So he and Kaiwei started prototyping their idea, a stripped-down phone, a minimal mobile phone called Light. Three years later, they sent out the first shipment. To get people off of the smartphone, whether that was just for a couple of hours or for a weekend, that was really our initial intention with the Light phone and our experience that we've coined going light. I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And this is Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. So, Elise, I'm, I'm sure this has happened to you, but mm-hmm. you know, when is it that you feel like you're spending too much time on the phone or, or with tech in general? When I'm traveling, and those mm. are times where I should be unplugging and being more present with my friends and other loved ones. 
And also when I observe my kids, because yeah. it seems as though I'm passing down a kind of screen addiction uh-huh. to them and I'm using screens as babysitters. I've even noticed it with my parents. They seem to be more on their phones and devices than even my children or myself. So it's pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's funny. I know some people who are in their teens and 20s who are now pushing back for dumb phones. Yes. So they're like, they're the smart users of of the tech. (laughs) Right. There is this understanding now, now that we have had phones for at least a generation, that the tech company's main goal is to kind of grab our attention and keep Mm -hmm. our attention, which has then led to this lack of trust in the tech industry as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's clear that there's a lot of people feeling like they're starting to get to a turning point, right? Mm-hmm. And they need to take big steps to try and get that sense of control in their relationship with technology back. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And if businesses want to maintain their users' trust, they're going to have to change their ways and keep customer needs and wants in mind. So that's the trend we're going to learn about today. How people's relationship with technology is shifting and how businesses can be a part of the solution to help promote digital well-being. As the global thought leadership lead at Accenture Song, Katie Burke has spent the past year investigating consumers' current relationship with digital technology. She and her team explored these insights and many others in Accenture's Life Trends 2024 report. Our research is showing us that there's just too much technology coming at us. We're overwhelmed by how fast it's happening. And it's just a sense that that do we have control over our lives or is technology controlling us? According to Katie, the problem we face is that technology constantly pulls at our attention, which can be pretty distracting. As humans, we always are on the hunt for what does this mean? And we now have an answer device in our pockets. And that instant gratification from having those answers, having those feelings is is actually what's given the rise to a lot of this. Smartphones have completely changed the way people interact with the world. Take the impact of social media. With its infinite content optimized to keep you scrolling, Katie and her team have seen that people's ability to focus has declined. Attention spans are getting shorter and shorter, and you're on this emotional roller coaster in 15-second sprints. With everyone glued to screens all day, it's no wonder that more and more people are feeling isolated. Loneliness is a problem all around the world. And technology is a driver of removing you from a physical world and looking at it through a device. But this doesn't have to be how we interact with technology. Katie and her team noticed a few ways consumers have started healthier habits with their phones. We're watching people try to monitor their screen times to maintain some type of balance. This puts the onus on you as the individual. It's still, you need to make sure you know your boundaries. And that's really hard when the tech really is trying to compete for our attention over and over and over again. Katie believes companies have a responsibility to address technology fatigue. Doing so could also build greater trust between them and their customers. Take algorithms, for example. There's positive and negatives to algorithms. The positive side of it is the volume. I mean, when every single person in the world, all 8 billion of us have a device in our hands, the only way to control the flow of information is around a platform with algorithms that take the data in, recommend it, and make the big seem a bit more personalized for you. But on the flip side is that algorithms are controlling what you see and what you're exposed to. So it limits our vantage points of the world. And that can lead to feelings of imbalance among consumers. 
On the whole, companies need to revisit attention-grabbing features that keep customers hooked on their product, like constant notifications and updates. Because although they may increase engagement in the short term, they risk turning customers away from their product in the long term. Whether you're offering a service or a product, it's your digital experiences, it's the notifications. You should absolutely prioritize anything that you can do to consciously watch the mental load you're placing on the user. Mental load is the cognitive effort involved in managing various tasks and responsibilities throughout the day. That's becoming increasingly challenging, to say the least. It's even a strain on parents trying to manage their kids' screen time after school. And that 7 p.m. witching hour, which most parents can identify with, is you say it's enough, it's either time for dinner, time for homework, time for whatever else, but you have to stop the device. And the tantrums that follow that from kids is, you know, young up to teenagers is something that the parents hate. But Katie says that a phone provider in the UK recently promoted a feature that automatically turns off service for certain devices at a given time of day. So when kids have to stop their screen time, it doesn't end in a confrontation with their parents. The thing that I like about that is it empathizes with people. This timer takes the parent out of the equation and they've gotten rave reviews. Providing such a functionality can also allow a company to learn how their technology is overwhelming its customers. There's a bit of well-being that needs to be at the heart of anything that technology is doing for us. Customers don't want technology that adds to the mental load versus taking things away. People are going to adopt the things that make their lives easier. Companies can go a long way in mindfully helping their customers manage tech fatigue by embracing new tech. I look at AI as a potential shift in direction that in a lot of cases, the AI is, is reducing steps. It's helping me draft an email that took me forever to do. It's reducing how many places I have to go search for to plan that trip. Those little things matter to people. By adopting a more empathetic approach when shaping the user experience, one that embraces technologies that can reduce mental load, companies have the opportunity to resonate with customers and build trust. And failing to recognize the full impact of that mental load can have consequences. Because for businesses, you're only one small smidgen of the day for them. And it's everything else, you know, coming at them too. Mental load is something to watch because that is is a really important indicator of burnout. Overwhelmed users are less likely to effectively engage with a product. And they may quickly decide to not engage at all. Katie says companies must address the burnout problem, but they also can't expect to fix it overnight. Start small. The thing with any kind of massive problem is make the big seem small, manageable, focus on what you can control, and focus on things where you can get the biggest benefit. The key is these decisions and implementations need to be genuine. And as companies think beyond retention metrics and instead prioritize their customers' well-being, they have the opportunity to make a real positive difference in people's lives. Do it as something that you actually feel authentic to take a small step forward that you can feel proud of on behalf of your people that you lead and on the behalf of the customers that use your product. Elise, this really feels like the biggest part of the issue. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by all these crazy demands from your phone? Yeah, any apps that have notifications on them, I try Mm. to either turn off or find a way to ignore them or be physically away from my phone so that I'm not getting pinged. 
Um, mm-hmm. There are certain apps that send so many notifications that I've been turned away from using the mm-hmm. app. I can think of a language app in particular where I was excited to learn Korean, but then got so many reminders to learn Korean that I was starting to feel guilty. Which points to the delicate balance that businesses have to juggle, right? You, on the one hand, you want customers mm-hmm. as engaged as humanly possible. For sure. And on the other, you don't want to drive them away. Yeah, yeah. And customers also have become a lot more mindful and aware of how our online consumption has an impact on our mental health. Absolutely. I'm hopeful that we'll see more of these changes soon. It does feel like we're hitting a a, a Rubicon, right? Mm -hmm. Where people are starting to say enough's enough. Yeah. Yeah. So let's pick back up with Joe Hollier to learn more about how he developed a second light phone that addresses more everyday needs and what businesses can learn from his minimalist philosophy. Before Joe and Kaiwei got light phone off the ground, they needed some financial backing. So they started crowdfunding. And at first... They got mixed reactions. Some people immediately resonated with the problem we were touching upon. Oh my God, email's ruining my life. I need this phone. And other people really didn't get it. This is the dumbest idea ever. Why would anyone want to go back 10 years to pre-smartphone life? This is the future. Not surprisingly, some of their biggest skeptics were tech leaders. It was a CTO of a tech company, kind of felt like it was incredibly irresponsible of someone, their C-suite level, to take three hours off of email to play catch with their kid on the weekend. Six months later, that CTO emailed us, I can't stop thinking about your little phone. That CTO apparently had a change of heart, and it turned out that others weren't too far behind. Whether ex-presidents at companies or co-founders of very famous publicly traded tech companies that have sort of changed their gears since and see the Light phone as a kind of new hope. Joe says that when he and Kaiwei released the first model of Light in 2017, it was a bare-bones design that let users make phone calls to a limited list of contacts, and it ran only on old 2G networks. But as those networks began to disappear, Joe and his team started thinking about how they could improve their product by adding the most essential features of smartphones. The features that we added were text messaging, the ability to have an entire contact book, as well as an alarm. And then we've rolled out optional tools that range from a calculator, a simple music player, as well as even a podcast player. Basic utilities like a calendar and navigation tool to give people the convenience of a smartphone without the potentially time-sucking distractions. The Lightphone 2 runs on 4G networks and can function as a hotspot for users to connect their tablet or laptop when they need a device that does a little more. But on the phone itself, there are no notifications to interrupt what they're doing or feeds for them to check and scroll through. The number one common denominator is that there's usually multiple hours a day of time given back to users. It's like one of the biggest motivators for people to try the light phone is because they feel like there's so much more that they want to be doing day to day in their lives, but they can't seem to find the time for these other hobbies or passions or things they want to learn or pick up. Joe put a lot of thought into the UX of a phone that is meant to be as simple and no frills as possible. He knew it would be important to make a product that had the sleek qualities of many of today's smartphones, but still felt significantly more minimal. I think for a lot of our users, they're coming from a thousand plus dollar smartphone. And I think they want some of that modern sophistication that UX design has gotten to. 
And we wanted to kind of keep that high design mentality and not have it feel like you were just getting a cheap burner phone, but you were actually, you know, intentionally investing in this experience. That intentionality is key. And it holds an important lesson for businesses about making products with their users' well-being in mind. Because as people start to take control of their habits surrounding technology, it's important for businesses to remember that they'll get a lot more trust and loyalty from their customers if they take responsibility for how those products affect users. I guess in so many ways, the onus is on the tech leaders, but it's definitely not as straightforward as that because the entire landscape from the investors and business models has so shifted to this attention economy. Joe says that many businesses can benefit from slowing down taking a step back from the hype cycles, spending more time putting thought into what they do, beyond merely trying to get users' attention and time. It's a mentality that he's made the core of light. And I think tech culture tends to have this grind, 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 break things, move fast. (laughs) Like, how many all-nighters did you spend on this product? And we really don't operate in that way at all. And I think on one hand, you know, it means that We're at a much slower pace, but I think it's a sustainable one. Elise, what what would you do with all the time that you would get back if you spent less time on your smartphone? This is a question I ask myself because it feels (laughs) as though I don't have that many hobbies in my adult life. And I wonder if it's because I'm held hostage by my device. What about you? Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I don't know. I do know that about once a month I go and I check my screen time to see what my average hours are on the phone. That is is looking in the mirror in a dark way. (laughs) But but here's a question. Could you actually give up your smartphone for good? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You know, with Mm -hmm. the the demands of modern life, I really can't imagine retiring the smartphone for good, even though it seems really enticing. Yeah. But there is hope for those of us who want to limit distractions, but still keep our smartphones within reach. That's why we talked with the founder of a company that helps people who don't want to give up their smartphones altogether, but do want more control over their digital lives. An average American will spend 17 years of their life accumulated in in front of a smartphone. I want people to be able to control this tool and not the other way around. That's Kenneth Schlenker, a tech founder with a unique background. So I come from a small mountain village in the French Alps, which was a very uh, calm and peaceful place to grow up. But I've always been fascinated by technology and the potential opportunities to learn, to discover, to connect with people all over the world. During Kenneth's childhood, the internet and digital technology were powerful tools for connection and communication. But as he got older, he recognized those tools that were initially an outlet and resource for many became detrimental to people's well-being. What's happened is, well, mostly that um, we've seen the internet become this battleground for attention. Kenneth sought to create a tool to help those needing a break from their devices. And in 2020, he launched Opal. Opal is an app that helps you manage how you spend your time on screens. It will help you analyze how much time you're spending on what apps, and it will help you uh, put together uh, rules or restrictions to make sure you use your devices in the best possible ways. 
So you might say Opal is a smartphone app that helps you not use your smartphone. Well, sort of. Screen time to me is very similar to diet in the sense that, you know, we all need food. Food is, of course, a very important aspect of our lives. But we know some foods are good and some foods are bad. And Opal helps its users consume a balanced digital diet. One of the ways in which Opal is used is uh, during work hours. I'm going to try to avoid going on social media or news or video apps or websites. And so Opal is going to, during my work hours, restrict access to these apps or websites. When Opal restricts apps like social media or news, its users avoid falling into the trap of passive scrolling. The issue becomes when you wake up and you're like, oh, what did I do in the last 10 minutes? That's not what I was supposed to do. And so that's really what we're fighting. Kenneth's goal isn't to turn people completely away from their phones and technology, but rather to ensure that their time spent online is intentional. And the results are eye-opening. Millions of people use Opal today. And on average, we are saving people over an hour and 20 minutes per day. And having all that time back can make space for other priorities in people's lives. You know, you have people who are working professionals who are saying things like, you know, this has really boosted my productivity massively. We've had also students that are saying things like, I, I passed my exam just because of you. Not only does limited screen time allow people to achieve more of their goals, but they also find that their personal wellness improves too. As some people have said, I've overcame my screen addiction and I'm now able to connect with friends, do more things during the day. So another thing we, we hear about is getting people uh, more sleep. Opal is designed with their users' mental load in mind. And Kenneth says other tech companies should do the same, even if that means completely rethinking their business model. Many companies promise is you don't have to pay for a product, so it's a free product. But uh, really, the way you're paying for it is uh, by giving your attention to a product which in turn will sell advertising or data. At the end of the day, companies creating more intentional products can benefit everyone. What if we can use technology to optimize our screen time and make it work for us? We can have a, a pretty incredible impact on the productivity and well-being of billions of people. Okay, Josh, you mentioned this earlier, but you didn't tell us the count. What is your screen time? Your daily oh God, no. screen time uh, block? That, 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 that's a personal question. Oh. I, 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 don't, I couldn't say, I don't think I'm prepared to share that with the world. Well, I think there's an app that can help you with that. What I learned today is we could all spend a little more time unplugging. You know, actually, that's true. I agree with that. And, mm -hmm. and there's no time like the present to start. <laughs> So I'll catch you later. Wait, Josh? Josh? Y'all, I think he took off. Okay, uh, he's gone. So to learn more about the trends we discussed today, download the Accenture Foresight app. There, you'll find more insights on people's relationship with technology and other emerging trends in business. Thanks to Joe Hollier, Kenneth Schlenker, and Accenture's Katie Burke. Built for Change is a podcast from Accenture. More episodes are coming soon. Follow, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review.